Dr. Snow. We hey. live. Are you ready to kick this thing off, my brother? Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm ready. Let's do it. KTTV, giving you what you need. Motivation, education unleashed. H-Time representing. We forever keep it rolling. Join the conversation with inspirational stories. Thought provoking. Feel that energy. Kendrick Thomas aiming to lift the community. True indeed. Tune in. Come and see. Giving you what you need. KTTV. Let's go. KTTV. What it do, KTTV? This is KT, and I'm coming at you live with another episode of Education Unleashed. And tonight, I have the snowman himself, hey. former <laughs> principal, former superintendent, now on the road getting that money, education consultant. How you doing today, Dr. Snow? Hey, I'm awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Look, man, look. You got a cool theme song and everything. Look, man, look, it's all about growth, dog. We talk about that all the time, man. How are you yes, moving, sir. man? I'm so good. that's that's <laughs> what I was going to say. How have you been doing? Uh, you know, we keep in touch, man, but it's been a while since we've been on camera. Mm -hmm. uh, so just for the people who don't know, man, tell me how you've been doing and then tell us who you are, dog. Yes, sir. Again, thank you for having me. Um, super impressed by your theme song and everything. Hey. That is super cool. Um, glad to be here. Glad to see you. Yeah, um, Dr. Billy Snow here. I'm great. I've been uh, working with schools um, as a consultant with Transformation Leaders Network, my company, since 2019. And one thing I'm celebrating this year is that every single school that I started working with since 2019 has moved from a D or F school to a B or C. So I'm celebrating that because that's awesome for kids. Yes, and then um, and working in a lot of schools, working in places across the country. And I'm excited to be doing the work for teachers, for principals and for our scholars. Man, and that's what I was going to say. Um, thinking about the work you did inside of schools before you even started on the outside of the consulting. What was it just a general progression for you to say, OK, well, I'll step outside of in, I'll step to uh, going outside of schools and then. If not, was it one thing that happened that said this is what has to happen? You know, that's an awesome question. Um, you know, my story, I think, is all on purpose. Um, I, I did um, consulting on the side ever since I was a teacher. I would always be asked to do workshops for math instruction or classroom management or whatever. And then as a principal, when I actually led successful schools, I started to get asked to do more. And I still just love being on the campus as a principal. And it, it just kind of always was something that I was doing because, you know, we became, I was a Texas principal of the year, national principal finalist. Our school was a exemplary campus and um, people, a lot of people always came to visit and people wanted to know what we were doing. So that part of it was very natural. And then the progression turned around 10 schools in Shreveport, Louisiana, hey. you, know, you know, Shreveport, um, hey. then became a chief of transformation in Dallas ISD and a superintendent. And I think the thing that made me take the leap to doing uh, this work full time was having health problems as a superintendent. You know, we moved that district to a, a B rating and a lot of people didn't think it was it was possible. But, you know, I ended up in the hospital three times in six months and uh, just decided to focus on my health and prayed about it a lot. And the answer came to me, you know, uh, Billy, you need to write your book. You need to tell your stories. You need to do your consulting and help make a difference on a grander scale and yes, and also be there for your family and 
speaking of that family, I just became a grandpa recently. I know I look way I know I look way too young to be a grandpa. But anyway, I just became a granddad. So uh, it's all about family and it's all about these kids we serve. Yeah, man. And as you think about going and doing that leadership, I'm gonna put you on the spot and just say one thing that leaders must have in common to go in and be successful as they transform a school. What is one thing that you think was was that pizzazz that moved you to those schools and was able to um, produce results? You know, I think you do have to have the passion mm -hmm. required and the ability to move the culture. Yes. Uh, you can learn a lot of good strategies, uh, but you have to have the passion um, to be able to serve the kids who need us most and be able to lead people with that passion. Mm. Man, and so uh, speaking of um, leading and culture, uh, tonight mm -hmm. is all about creating that positive school culture. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I felt this was important um, because in a world where teaching is getting harder, you got teacher shortages, uh, and that's getting more real. Um, I just want to discuss why it's crucial to make sure that we have staff that looks forward to coming to work uh, and enjoys their work, which, by the way, shout mm -hmm. out to my principal today. We went crazy. Uh, but so first thing I want to do is kind of talk about the why. So, mm -hmm. Doc, in, in your words, can you talk to us about what you believe a positive school culture is uh, and why it's so essential uh, in, in roles like yours as a transformation leader? Yeah, man. Um, so I think of climate and culture as, you know, climate is the weather. It's how it feels when it walks in the door. You know, if you've ever been to a restaurant or a business or even a school that just doesn't feel right, you know, that's the climate. But there's the opposite of that where it feels warm. It feels inviting. It feels happy. It feels successful. There's an energy. There's a heartbeat. Um, the culture, however, is also the way you do things. It's like your traditions, your celebrations. It's the it's the high expectations you have and the way you actually do your work. And so uh, climate and culture is critical because you have to have all those things in place in order to be able to um, not keep teachers, to keep teachers and make sure that teachers um, are able to do their work. And I got to confront the hard facts, though, you know, for years, for like more than 20 years, um, we have been anticipating a teacher shortage, um, decline, or things have been made, changes to make it easier to become a teacher. Um, testing and the high stakes testing industry has also caused a lot of stress. And a lot of what has not been done is we have not, we have not addressed giving teachers the support they need, uh, empowering them, and making sure that they are actually able to work in environments where it's fun to teach. Yes. And where where their call, calling is able to be um, something that they can make happen. Mm. Well, let's say just simply appreciate. It. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and I, I started with that why uh, to just show the important. I mean, the importance of building that positive culture uh, as a leader. And so, um, I guess the the good thing about that school culture is when the wise match. Mm -hmm. uh, you get better results in school safety, teaching, learning, institutional mm -hmm. environment. Uh, relationships and a media. So as a consultant with schools, you see so many school cultures on both sides of the coin, good and mm -hmm. bad, like you said. Yeah. Which of these do you see yourself coaching the most on when it comes to culture? And what are some of the ideas that you give to shift their thinking? Yeah, awesome. Uh, so, you know, I only work with schools who are in need of change. Mm -hmm. I work with schools who are lower performing. 
typically the schools who I work with are C, D, and F schools. Mm -hmm. And when you look at those schools, I always look at a few core things. Uh, the big rocks for me are climate and culture, um, teaching and leading. So like what is happening in the classroom and how are the uh, leaders coaching and supporting their teachers? Um, and then you have, you know, how are we making decisions around data? So data-driven instruction is another block. Um, and then, you know, intervention and equity is another one of those four big rocks. But, and you see that I, it's basically like four wheels on a car. Mm. There's not one thing that is the answer to everything, yeah. but one of those four wheels is climate and culture. And without that going well, without you having a positive climate and culture, a powerful climate and culture, the car doesn't roll. Like you, you could buy a program, you could buy a curriculum, you could try some strategies. And regardless, it's the car is not going to drive if you don't have a positive climate and culture. So I like to think of it as one of the four wheels or one of the four big rocks. Mm. And, and all and of the schools I work with have to yeah. address it. It's part of the work we do. And so when you're thinking about addressing it, like what, what would be some of the first tidbits? Like, let's say if it is down, nobody wants to be there. How do I, or even as a new leader, what would you say to begin to shape the culture that you want? Sure. So I remember when I first started as a principal and um, basically at the time was given the keys to the building and didn't quite know what I was doing. <laughs> so I knew you know, what I stood for, but not necessarily how to start. And I called my mentor, uh, Miss Judy Pardun Zuber, who was my principal. And I asked her, you know, where do I start? I don't, there's nothing in the file cabinets. There's nothing on the computers. Everything's been wiped clean. And I just have an empty office. And she said, she said, Billy, you actually know what to do. Just think about all the pieces and get started. So I reached out to my teachers. This is the middle of the summer. And I called, I asked them to come meet with me. And I, I wanted to meet with them in either individually and also in grade levels. And the very first thing I did was I asked them a series of questions. What do you love about your school already? What is one thing you would snap your fingers and change if you could? What do you expect from me as your principal? What are your dreams for the school? And what's a mistake that you would advise me not to make mm. in, my, in my first year? <laughs> and, and, I've, and I've kept those kind of questions as I've taken over new positions. And you know what you learn by, by doing that is you learn to listen to people. You learn to figure out how you could have quick wins or what's something that they've said you should change that you can do and do it pretty quickly. Um, you've also, you also learn that how to start develop and develop that trust. And from there, we, the very next thing I did was actually plan a summer retreat for my faculty. And we got together. We had a book study about climate and culture. We had pizza. I turned on all the laminators and copier machines and make sure they had everything they needed. Uh, let them get in their rooms. And you know what? They came. Why'd they come during the middle of the summer? Because they were curious about who the new principal was. They were interested and they wanted to be a part of it. Well, that was when we did some of our work around um, brainstorming expectations. You know, what kind of what kind of kids do we want to produce and what's it going to look like? And from there. There's a lot of other things that we did following it, but it's important that you start right out. It's you start with building relationships. You start with listening to people and finding out what works and what doesn't. And then you actually do something about it. Yeah. You actually win. You can win some. It could be as simple as being visible in the hallways or fixing car duty or giving them enough paper that they don't have to have a paper quota. <laughs> it could be just some simple stuff that gets them to know that they can trust that you're a leader of your word.
Man, that was um, man. You think about the importance of just those quick wins, though, because mm -hmm. um, but but that is very very way to get a quick win. Like you say, what is something you can fix quick? And most of the time, it is something with those small wins, or being more present, or feeling more supported, or being on changing up the duty. You know, so so great information on that one, Doc. And and I think you really kind of answered my question of you know thinking of you coming into a school and coaching um someone on building up the culture of that school um mm -hmm. and you have some people who are hesitant for the buy-in so I'm, I'm thinking you'll say that they haven't came in and built that trust but but i will let you tell me so what happens when <laughs> i have those those hard to pullers <laughs> you know and it, i think one thing that's really important to remember is that you'll never get 100 percent buy-in and you shouldn't expect it but buy-in is something that develops over time but you have to do the right work at the beginning and all through the middle to be able to get that buy-in. Let me give you an example. Um, in Shreveport, when we turned around the transformation zone, we had 10 F schools. And one of the very first things that we did was we imagined what kinds of kids we wanted to create together for the city of Shreveport and for the world. And then we came up with together, like all of the leaders that I was leading and teacher committees and things like that, expectations, things like, you know, eye contact, calling people by their, their first name and, or last name, um, talking in complete sentences and agreeing and disagreeing respectfully. And the next question I asked them was, well, how do we accomplish that together? And we decided that we needed to build these mini lessons where we teach, model, practice, and reinforce these things, and where we spend the first week or two of school mostly on relationship building, climate and culture, and rolling out these expectations. But it wasn't rolling them out on a poster or rolling them out on um, just telling people what to do in a syllabus. It was really creating the activities and lessons that teach kids how to do these things and then reinforcing it all the time. Well, what, what do you know? What, what I noticed was because we were all doing the same thing and because they believed in the mission, because of the, the powerful, inspirational work we were doing, I would say about 60% of the people came along. But you know what was what happened had to happen next is sometimes you have to be you have to set your expectations and hold people accountable. So it's not just preaching and inspiring people and being kind to people. It is all of that plus setting expectations and holding people accountable. So every classroom, every building we walked, we had to they had to be teach model teaching, modeling, practicing and reinforcing these expectations including a token economy. And what do you know? What do you know that happens? The discipline went down 60 to 80%. Yeah. Um, people started visiting the schools because they were doing well. Uh, five of the schools became Louisiana top game schools pretty immediately. Uh, the culture changed, like the culture changed quickly because the plan was clear. The coach, yeah. and it was positive and it involved reinforcement, not just telling people what to do. Two 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 pieces of a, a effective plan, positive and reinforced. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely, most definitely, man. You know it's so crazy. Hold up, let me. I got some comments real quick. So, oh, sure. Chester say good evening from Texas. Uh, Michelle said uh, characteristics of great leadership, great job. All right. So Thank shout you, out to them. So um, I always tell that story of how I first seen you. Um, <laughs> It was inside of the Get Better Faster book. So, like, I'm um, the district's <laughs> got this book, dude. I got like four or five of them. And so, but one day I was looking through 
And they said, uh, Dr. Billy Snow. And it said, Shreveport, Louisiana. I said, wait <laughs> a minute, man. That's my hometown. Yeah. And so uh, that's when I set out to say, man, I got to find, I got to find Doc. Looked through my Facebook. We was already Facebook friends, man. Yeah. I said, and, and we've been riding ever since, man. So um, mm -hmm. just awesome to be able to have that contact, man, because the work you've done is so important. Thank you. Now, as we look at what we've been talking about, it's been teachers, it's been leaders. We talked about the students a little, but we know that a big piece of Saguenay culture is the parents. Yeah. So um, how do we reach out to the community to ensure that they are heard and feel a part of that culture building process? Yeah. Um, you know, I want I want everybody to know that that takes time. Yeah. And over all the years that I've been in education and had that success, um, many people have asked that question. How do we get parents participation? How do we get parents to be involved? And my answer is a simple answer and then some details. Number one. Um, there is no magic bullet. <laughs> there is no magic program or activity. Um, number two, you have to make school good for their kids first. You have to make school fun for their kids. You have to build relationships with their kids. Their kids have to start home, start coming home, talking positively about school and having good experiences at school before you get to, in order for you to also get really authentic participation. Yeah. Now, some of the other things, of course, you know, we, we had um, amazing parent nights. Uh, we stayed away from things like just help your, um, you know, come and learn about helping your kid in reading or math and homework. Mm -hmm. We, we came up with ideas such as like a parent college night or a parent university night. Mm. where we came up with like 21 different courses, sent home a catalog where parents could pick what they wanted to attend. And it was things like balancing your budget, yeah. uh, cook, cooking meals, healthy meals in under 30 minutes, um, dealing with a tantrum toddler, uh, paying for college when you don't have no money. Um, sure, there were some academic stuff that we offered, mm. but one of the things was that we realized was that today's parents, they, they struggle. You have you have moms and dads working all the time. You have um, sometimes single parents or grandmothers and grandfathers uh, raising families. And I had a single mom. Yeah. My, my mom worked three jobs. She never could come to school after a certain period of time, like in, when she got divorced and had to start working three, two and three jobs. And it was then that I realized that these parents love their kids. Sometimes they're doing the best, many times doing the best they can. And our job is to give them things that they um, that they need, that they actually can use in their life. And that's how you actually win parents over, in addition to making school good for their children. Mm -hmm. Now, as you do that, um, I, I was mm -hmm. thinking about now going to like the how. And so as we build up for the parents, as we work with the kids, work with the teachers, um, some people use climate teams. Um, they use stakeholder orientations. Uh, did you use any of those type of practices when you were kind of building that culture? So which ones and why? Yeah. So when I first started out as a leader, um, I, every time I entered a new position, I always felt it was good to talk to everyone. So that's why we, we listened. I listened to everyone, had listening tours, pulled everyone together for our retreats and, and brainstormed like yeah. our expectations and our climate and our, our, the way we would practice these expectations and roll yeah. them out. Because I wanted everybody to feel like they were a part of the solution. Mm -hmm. I wanted I wanted everybody to be a part of that work. 
Um, even, even students, I had students that I recruited to be a part of book clubs where I would study the same book that the teachers and I were studying. Mm -hmm. And we would come up with how the, how kids would welcome other new kids okay. to, the, to the building. And then what kids wanted for uh, positive reinforcement. I would, I asked the children, I even asked the children in my, in these groups, you know, what do you like about school? What do you not like about school? What do you wish would change? Parents, same thing. I would invite parents up to talk to me over lunch, like groups of parents, oh, to talk to me over lunch. Because I learned that parents are sometimes intimidated to show up to like a PTA meeting or something, or they've had a bit of bad experience with school in the past. So I would invite parent groups to come up with and just sit with me and eat lunch. And we would talk about um, what do you like about the school? What do you wish would change? What do you, what do you appreciate? What do your, what do your kids enjoy about the, the, the teachers and what do you want us to do better? I found that authenticity works, yeah. authenticity and including everyone. And then once we got rolling, what I did was then I could break it down into some smaller groups, like what you talked about, a site-based committee or a, a climate committee or whatever. Mm -hmm. I even had an innovation team mm -hmm. and those groups actually helped carry the work forward. Yeah. Um, but once, but when you're first starting out, I truly believe you have to talk to everybody and you have to involve everybody. Man, that's it, man. And, and and we're talking about coming from somebody that's been doing the work, man. So where are you going um, this week as, as you move around uh, to different schools? What do you have on your plate this week, Doc? Yeah, man, I just came back from uh, Kentucky where I was working with uh, three turnaround schools there. And then I'm currently in the Houston area working with uh, four turnaround schools here. Um, next week, I'll be in Colorado working with two schools there. Um, after that, I come back to um, Texas and am in the Austin area. So I'm working with schools in a variety of states. And the one, one thing that's in common is we're all working on climate and culture wow. and developing those plans. We're all working on how we coach teachers, um, not how we evaluate teachers. Let me, let me get that straight because that's part of climate and culture. Yeah. An evaluation and a checklist that you send people by email for a walkthrough, mm -hmm. that's not climate and culture. Cli the climate is enhanced with face-to-face -face coaching. So we're working on that and our data-driven decision-making and our interventions with an equity focus. And yeah. it's, it's all the same work trying to raise up um, children across the nation. Man, that's it. Now, do you go in and work with um, teachers yourself or are you kind of working with the leaders uh, through the teachers? How does that work? Sure. It, it really depends. Um, a lot of my work is with central office and the principals and assistant mm -hmm. principals um, because they are, they honestly make or break schools. Let me say that again. Um, teachers do not stay or leave just because of money or because the work is too hard. It, I have found teachers often stay or leave because the leader, because of the leaders mm -hmm. and the climate and culture at their campus and in their district. Mm -hmm. So I tend to start there. And then I will work with uh, teachers doing professional development and coaching and modeling um, if that is a good fit. For example, in one of the districts I'm working in, I started working with the principals and central office. And then I ended up, I ended up doing some workshops, some math instruction workshops for the teachers via Zoom. And, um, and then also we'll be visiting that district. So it, it depends on what's best for the district and where I can get most, the most bang for the buck. Yeah. But a lot of my work is with the, with the leaders because they are so important to making the work a success or not. And, I, and as I, 
you know, everything you're saying, man, about that leadership is, is so true and so important. Um, I think about the hard schools that I've been in. That was one of the reasons I was like, yeah, I think it's going to be time to kind of do something different. Um, but, but you know, going back to those teacher days, it was that support. It was somebody kind of showing me or, or breaking down mm -hmm. what I needed versus saying you don't have this and just yep. checking me off on a checkbox. Like, like that's what I think you say tears down those 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 times yeah Man. well you know i was working with a team recently where it just it, it was obvious that the leadership team was not all on the same page and that communication wasn't clear and 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 uh there wasn't uh like follow through and one of the things that the teachers talked about was that you know we need the support we need the clarity we need the follow through and we need the consistency we need all of our leaders to be on the same page and to support us and um, I just don't think sometimes that principals and assistant principals, even with all the good that they want to do in their heart, I don't think that we truly understand that we make or break our teachers. And when we make our make or break our teachers, they in turn affect the children. Mm -hmm. they, they pass on their stress to the children. Mm -hmm. they, they pass on the negativity to the children. And so we have to start with ourselves first. Yeah, man, that's it, man. Well, <laughs> I think... Um, as a leader, you know, I, I definitely have been growing over the past few mm -hmm. years and just thinking of how I deal with people. I know we've already talked a little bit uh, about just ways to come into a new place uh, and build uh, with the new team that I have. So uh, I would just say, man, I'm just going to keep listening. I, I, I built the podcast. It was like um, I was doing so many topics that I wanted to learn about in the beginning of the podcast. And so I said, okay, well, as I grow as an educator now, and then I get to bring people on like you and just have these conversations about things that I want to know more about, I want to get better about, and I just get to learn from the masters, man. So I will give the rest of the world a chance, man. Any words of wisdom for APs or admins who may be struggling, if it's just mm -hmm. one soundbite, that they can hear over and over. What would you tell them, Doc? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice is to make the job your own by taking initiative and having fun. Don't forget what it's like to have fun in your work and make a difference. Have fun. <laughs> I can dig it, man. So, so tell us again about the company. Sure. Uh, Doc, where can we find you? Where can we find the information? Uh, yeah. What about schools when they want to call you out? That's great. Uh, thank you for asking. Um, so the easiest way to find me is through social media. So I'm on Facebook and uh, Billy Snow. I'm on Twitter, um, Billy Snow, at Snow, uh, Snowman Learning. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. Um, those are the, probably the easiest ways to find me and to message me. If you'd like to email me directly, our business email is tln for education at gmail.com. That stands for Transformation Leaders Network, but it's TLN for education at gmail.com. And are you doing now as you go to these schools and uh, mm -hmm. you think about the work you did with GBF, are you mm -hmm. being able to pull any of that out or are you just kind of coming from everything that you created? Yeah, everything that I've experienced that has actually worked. Yeah. Um, you know, I've learned a lot in my career. I've, I've, I had the privilege of working in Shreveport, Louisiana Transformation Zone, worked with the you worked with the University of Virginia School Turnaround Program with that work, worked with Paul Bambrick with Relay, 
um, a lot of things have been a part of my learning. And so I just try to combine it all into those four big rocks and to be able to teach people how to build the climate and culture, how to coach their teachers, how to make data-driven decisions, and how to focus on equity and intervention. Yeah. Um, not everybody needs the same thing. Everybody has to be um, given opportunities, access, and, uh, and outcomes that are equitable. Mm, differentiate. Absolutely. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, look, man, I want to say thank you for stopping through uh, the Unleashed podcast. We, we try to get mm -hmm. things going. Um, so much great information that you dropped today on the audience. Uh, uh, thank just you. thank you, Doc. Thank you so much. You're doing an amazing job. I mean, I saw you with Principal Cafele, and I'm like, wow, you got the king. You got the king on there. So Look, you just keep up the good work, man. Look, we we will. I just uh, matter of fact, I just texted him before mm -hmm. uh, that we got on, and he had texted me back, and I told him we won't stop, Principal Cafele. We will not. Absolutely. You know, so thank you, Dr. Snow. Uh, awesome. Like I say, awesome information tonight. I learned a few things. Looking forward to sharing this with others so they can really get into uh, that knowledge. And, uh, you know, if anybody needs something, I will reach out. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> All right, y'all. This is KT for KTTV signing out. 100. This is Darnell Broadcast Houston. This is Dr. Tamara Beckford. Hey, this is Candace. This is Linda Underwood. This is Kirsten Bass with Inner City Greens, and you're watching. Y'all are now tuned in to KTTV. 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 KTTV.